guys? Today's show is incredible. Today's guest has a phenomenal testimony. He talks about how he survived cancer and how that actually brought him uh, to Christ. Um, He's a youth pastor, and we're going to be talking a little bit about uh, ministry and how he does ministry. We're also going to spend some time talking about how churches, or any organization for that matter, connects with people. If you are wanting to retain members, visitors, customers, it is imperative that we connect. So we're going to have a really, really good discussion today. Stick around. Hey, what's up, guys? This is John Ryan Cantu, and this is Leading the Christian Leadership Podcast. Hey, what's up, guys? God bless you. Welcome to another episode of Leading the Christian Leadership Podcast. I am your host, John Ryan Cantu. This is the show that brings you leadership tips from ministry leaders, business leaders, entrepreneurs, people who have been where you are and people who have been where you are wanting to go. We bring them in for interviews and we kind of pick their brain and get some insight from them. Uh, Today's guest uh, is Jay Allen Mendoza. And um, he's a youth pastor here in Texas, and and he's got a really phenomenal testimony that we're going to be talking about today. Um, you are in for uh, a really good treat. Um, is before we get into the conversation, just as always. Uh, we invite you to subscribe uh, to the show if you're not already subscribed. Um, if you are loving the content and you have yet to leave a rating or a review, I just want to encourage you to please do so. That uh, that would really mean a lot to me. If you could do that, I thank you in advance. And we got some really good shows coming up with some really good uh, guests. Uh, this will probably be the last show right before Christmas, so I want to say Merry Christmas if you're listening to this before Christmas. Um, and uh, yeah, we, we've got some good guests lined up, ready for 2020, uh, dreaming big as always, and and I hope that you are as well. Many leaders tend to do that, so um, I, I, I pray that everything goes well uh, in your planning for next year. And um, of course, in the execution of it. So, all right. Without any further ado, let's go ahead and get into today's uh, today's conversation. All right, Jay Allen, what's up, man? Thank you so much for being on the show today. How you doing? I'm doing well, John. Man, thank you so much, Ryan, for uh, for having me on this call with you, man. It's oh an man, honor. It's, it, yeah, no, it, it's honors all mine, man. You know. I, We've been Facebook friends for for a while, and kind of been following a little bit of what you're doing ministry wise, and and so I thought, man, this this guy would be cool to uh, to have on the show, and and so I reached out, and and uh, you said yes, so so thank you. Um, yeah, I know man, we, absolutely. We've, we've been, you know, we've kind of been uh, social media friends at least for for a while, several years. I know we know a lot of the same people, um, but yeah, I I, I can't say that I have the, the pleasure of really knowing you um, as, as a as a person. And so I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to this conversation. Um, I know you don't you don't live here in uh, you don't live in Houston. You live in what is it, San Antonio? That's where you're at. No, right now. Well, actually, right now, man, um, I'm actually in the Rio Grande Valley. So it's South Texas. So right at okay. the border, man. Oh, mm-hmm. OK. Okay. Now you're you're from yeah. you you used to live in Colorado, right? Is that is that right? Correct. So I'm originally from Colorado. Um, that's where I was raised, man, and uh, lived in San Antonio for a few years. Mm-hmm. And okay. the Lord just keeps taking me more south, bro. I think I'm going to end up in Mexico. So oh I'm man, I don't. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's but cool, man. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, I was I was you know a few weeks ago when we were talking on the phone. Um, I didn't know that you were from Colorado, but I saw your 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 um, um, area code is is Colorado, and, yeah. And so, you know, I I love I love Colorado. We, me and my family, we lived there for like two years up in the up in the mountains, a small town called Bailey, Bailey, Colorado. And we go okay. probably at least once a year. Um, I, man, I, I Colorado is just a beautiful place, and and uh, yeah, man, so, and, it really and, is. Right, right. So, what part did you live in? I lived in a place called uh, Glenwood Springs, so it's known as the Roaring Fork Valley. It's, okay. a, it's about three hours west of Denver, uh, right in the Rocky Mountains, man. So 
And I always tell people God lives in Texas, but he vacations in Colorado. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's beautiful out there, man. If you've never been, you really have to go. It's, it's a sight to see for sure. Absolutely. Definitely. Definitely. Well, cool, man. Uh, let's kind of get into, uh, the conversation here. Um, you know, before we get too deep, uh, why don't you just kind of give us a little bit of background as to, to who you're, uh, you are, um, you know, your Christian upbringing and any major life of moments that you'd like to share? Yeah, man. Yeah, for sure. But I mean, first of all, thank you so much, man, for, uh, having me on this call and, you know, letting me be part of your podcast. I'm a huge fan. I listen to a lot of your stuff. Oh man, thanks. And, uh, you know, so it really is an honor, but, um, man, where do I start? Let's see. Uh, I guess just kind of where my faith journey began. I was 14 years old and I'm going to try to give it to you in a nutshell and that way it won't take so long. Hmm. But, um, I was wrestling with my older sister and, uh, I, you know, I had my shirt off and she ended up slapping, slapping me in the chest. And, uh, there was a bump, like a bump that appeared. And I thought it's kind of like when you hit your head and, you know, you mm-hmm. get that, that knot on your head. And I was like, it's going to yeah. go away. And, you know, it, it didn't go away, man. As a matter of fact, it started to grow. And me being, you know, the 14-year-old kid, I didn't want my mom to see it because she's going to want to take me to the doctor. So I'm avoiding my mom for like days, man. And I'm freaking out silently because this bump is on my chest. And finally, you know, she sees it and she says, man, we got to take you to the doctor. So we go and the doctor don't even know what, what it is. And so they finally say, yo, Jay, we have to, you know, do a biopsy and you know, they send it out for examination about a week and a half later, we get a phone call and they basically bring us in and they say, Jay, uh, you know, this is going to be a little bit hard for you to hear, but the results came back and you have been diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma, you know? And at the time I was like, I don't even know what Hodgkin's is. What, what are you talking about? So go to find out that I have stage four Hodgkin's lymphoma, which is the type of cancer and they did some x-rays. They not only found out that I had a tumor the size of a lemon in my chest, but I had seven tumors that had spread to my lungs. Wow. And again, it's stage four. And uh, so they make me fi- sign a bunch of paperwork and my family and basically telling me, John Ryan, that, you know, I'm not going to have that much time to live. Uh, they predicted eight months at the time, and they said, we need to get you on intense chemotherapy as soon as possible. So we began this crazy process, man. And I remember specifically uh, being in the children's hospital there in Denver, Colorado. And after they had done this procedure where they put this Metaport in you know, my, my chest, that's where they were going to feed the IVs for the chemotherapy. And they do these other procedures where they check your bone marrow. They were courteous enough, and I'm talking about the hospital, they were courteous enough to, you know, check out a, or rent out a hotel for us for a few nights. And I remember having this crazy experience, man, that even till this day, like, it still gets to me. Um, it was about three in the morning. I felt like I needed to throw up, and this was after my my surgery and uh, I go to the restroom, I get up by myself because I didn't want to bother my mom. She had been staying up with me for the last day or so. And yeah. I remember getting down on my knees to throw up, man, and I closed the door behind me and I heard a voice on the other side of the door, which at the time I thought was my mom. And basically the voice told me in Spanish, said, don't worry, everything is going to be okay. No te preocupes, todo va a estar bien. And I remember saying, mom, I'll be right there. And I heard it again. I said, mom, I'll be right there. And I heard it again. So finally I get up, man. I open the door and to my surprise, all the lights are off. My mom is like sound asleep and I'm freaking out at this moment. I'm like, yo, I think I one, I'm going crazy or two, mm-hmm. like I heard a voice. So I go to my mom, I wake her up. I say, mom, I heard something. She says, you're crazy. You need to go to the restroom. I'm like, no, you were just talking to me a moment ago. Uh And she's like, no, I was not there. I don't know what you're talking about. So I kind of just leave it there, man. And uh, fast forward a little bit. We start my intense chemotherapy about two months in. My hair's already falling off. I'm already getting, you know, side effects from the medication. Um, You know, so life is 
totally changing for me at this time. But at the same time, my mom was working with a lady that went to a small Pentecostal church, man, out there in Colorado. And this lady, you know, she heard about me and, you know, my condition. So she started to tell her about Jesus, tell my mom about Jesus and, you know, that God could heal me. So guess what my mom was doing? Every time she came home, she was telling me about this guy named Jesus. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at first I was trying to be nice about it, you know, kind of listen to her and hear her out. But eventually it just got so annoying for me, man, that I didn't want to hear it. I was kind of upset, to be honest, because I was like, yo, mom, if there really is a God, then why am I sick? You know, yeah. why am I going to die? Why is there so much bad things in the world? You know, those common questions. And and she didn't know how to answer those questions because we didn't grow up going to church. We weren't very religious people at all. Wow. But every day she just came back telling me about what this lady at work was telling her. And she eventually my mom started going to the church and she was trying to get me to go to this church and I didn't want to go. So she made up her mind. She's like, okay, I'm not going to convince this stubborn kid to go to church with me. So I'm going to bring the church to him. (laughs) So one day to my surprise, man, like everybody shows up to my house and I'm talking about like everybody, man, like 30 people, the pastor, you know, the deacons, the elders, the youth ministers, like, you know, the hermanas, they all show up and they said, hey, Jay, we're here to pray for you. And, you know, me, I'm just trying to be a nice guy. I, I'm, I'm just yeah. standing there and they start going in, man. Like I'm talking about praying heaven down and declaring healing over my life. They start speaking in tongues. At this point, I'm freaking out, man. I'm like, what are these people <laughs> saying? Like, what is happening? And You know, I pushed, I actually stopped them from praying. I said, okay, guys, that's enough. Like, thank you. You know, trying to be kind of nice about it. My mom was really embarrassed at the time because I just kind of cut everybody off. But, you know, uh, I I told them I don't want anything to do with whatever this is. Uh, But my mom kept persistent. You know, she she stayed faithful and she kept praying for me and believing that God was going to do a miracle in my life. And, you know, uh, fast forward a little bit. I remember one day, man, and this is where everything really changed for me. I was so weak, man, that I couldn't even open my eyes after one of the chemotherapies. They literally had to carry me from the hospital to the car, from the car to my bedroom. And at the time, my room was in a basement. And I remember this day specifically when my mom asked me, she said, Mijo, do you want me to stay with you in your room overnight to watch you? Because she had never seen me so sick And I looked at my mom and I said, no, mom, like, I'll be fine. But deep down inside, man, I know that the reason that I said no to her wasn't because I didn't want my mom to be there with me. It was because I just, I didn't want her to see me die. Hmm. I knew, I don't know how I knew John Ryan, but I just knew, man, that that was going to be the night that I was going to pass away. I just, I sensed it. I felt it. And I remember, man, there as a 14 year old kid, just laying in my bed by myself. You know, and I just began to cry. Like tears just began to flood me, my face. And and I remember just laying there and all of a sudden, man, I just, I started to remember everything that my mom told me about this guy named Jesus, that by his stripes, you are healed. Like, it's like somebody put headphones on me and I can hear the prayers, man, of these quote unquote crazy people that I kicked out of my room that day, you know, that you know, if you have faith to believe, God can heal you. And and I'm just crying and I'm crying. And, and I remember I rolled off of my bed with a little bit of strength that I had and I fell to the ground. And for the first time in my life, Darlene, I said my first prayer, man. And I said, God, I don't know if you're even real. I don't know if you're a philosophy, but God, if you're real, like these crazy people say that you are, if you're real, like my mom says that you are, then show me. I said, heal me. And if you heal me, I said, I'll tell everybody that you're real. That, that, was, that was it, man. Next thing you know, I felt like this heat, this crazy heat just come over me. And it felt like millions of ants. I don't know that's the best way I could explain it. Just like millions of ants just flowing up and down throughout my body. And I thought I was dying. And I was like, oh, man, this is it. Like, I'm going out. And uh, I I remember just falling there and I just kind of fell asleep, man. It was very peaceful. I woke by the grace of God the next morning and 
in my mind, I was like, yo, I don't know what that was. That was weird. That was crazy. I said, but you know what? I'm not going to tell my mom because if I tell her, she's going to want to take me to church and I don't want to <laughs> go to church. Um, so I kind of kept it to myself. But again, fast forward a little bit. Uh, we go back to the hospital a few days later and, you know, they would do these things called CT scans where they would do these x-rays to just track my progress. And yeah. I remember being in Glenwood Springs and they did some testing there. They sent me to another town called Grand Junction, Colorado, and it's about an hour and a half away from Glenwood. And same thing, they, they for some reason, something was going on with the with the system, with the machine. So they sent me all the way to Denver, which again is like three hours away. And that's where my main doctor was. And I remember specifically seeing my doctor pace back and forth, man, you know, through this glass window. And in my mind, I'm like, oh, man, this is going to be bad. He's got really bad news. Like, I don't know, this is not going to be good. And I remember he just said, hey, Jay, we need to meet tonight in a few hours. I didn't know what he was going to tell us. You know, by the time the time came, my mom was already crying. She, we didn't even know what the doctor was going to say. Mm -hmm. And I remember we walk into this room, John Ryan, and there's a bunch of doctors sitting on this table. And the first thing that came out of my doctor's mouth was, do you believe in miracles? And I kind of looked at him and I said, not really, but my mom does. And my mom, you know, of course, you know, being a Mexican mom and, you know, kind of passionate <laughs> about life and Jesus, she's like, I do, you know, I do. She's getting all fired up. And, yeah. and my doctor says, I don't know how to explain this, Jay Allen, but let me show you something. He, he opened a laptop and on one x-ray, he, he showed me uh, and it was these big circles, these white circles. And he said, do you know what that is? And I'm like, I don't know, my tumors. And he's like, correct. He's like, these are x-rays that we had been taking these last few uh, months. He's like, let me show you the x-rays we just took these last few days. And, but instead of X or circles, man, they were these X's like X's. I don't know. It looked like just little X's. And I'm like, huh? In my mind, I'm like, Oh man, it's spreading, you know, it's getting worse. <laughs> and I saw it in my doctor's eyes, man, when he kind of just with watery eyes, he looked at me, he's like, no, Jalen, you don't understand. He said, a week ago, we were taking these x-rays and you had tumors, man. These are scars. What? These are scars. And I was like, wait, what? He's like, we cannot detect a single cell of cancer in your body. He's like, I don't know if you believe in a higher power. I said, but all I know is that I have never seen anything like this. Man, at that moment, my mom like is going crazy. I bet. Uh, the room is low enough, man. And I have like this out-of-body experience, man, that I felt like the Holy Spirit took me back to my room when I had that experience with him that one night. And I felt like he looked at me and he said, Jay Allen, remember what you told me. Remember what you promised, that if I healed you, you were going to give me your life, that you were going to tell everybody about what I did in you. And then I kind of snapped out of it. And the first thing that came out of my mouth, John Ryan, was, Mom, there is a God. <laughs> and that's when my, my journey in, with Jesus began, bro. I went to the church the next Sunday. You know, I'm a little thug, bro. I'm dressed with baggy clothes at the time. And I grabbed the mic, dude. And I'm just like, I don't know who your God is. But all I know is that he's real. You know, and the church is going crazy, man, because they had been praying for me and believing for me. And, you know, this goes to show, man, that sometimes it's not even your faith, but it's the faith of other people that carry yeah. you yes. to the presence of Jesus, you know, that bring yeah. that, that miracle, that breakthrough for your life. So I don't know, maybe somebody's listening to this, man, and, and I just want to encourage somebody today, you know, keep believing, keep praying, mm -hmm. you know, God, God hears it all and, and God will honor your faith. And I'm a testament of that, man, you know, yeah. and I'm, I'm a witness of God's healing power, bro. So in a nutshell, bro, that's kind of what, you know, my Christian upbringing is. And I started following Jesus at the age of 14. I'm 28 right now. And, uh, man, life has been amazing since, bro. So, yeah. That, that is an incredible story. I 100% someone's crying right now listening to it <laughs> because mm -hmm. it, it, it's such a powerful testament to what 
what God can do. And, you know, honestly, when you were, when it, it really intrigued me when you said um, that you heard, you heard a, a voice that night mm-hmm. um, saying yeah. that, Hey, don't worry. Everything's going to be okay. Um, right. So you, you said that before, before you mentioned that you weren't a believer before you mentioned that, right. that even your mom, uh, she wasn't a believer at the time. A lot of times, you know, when we're, when we're walking the, the, we're walking in, in, in faith and we have a relationship with God and we experience something like this. Um, we, we, we hear those stories a lot more like, Hey, I heard God, I, I heard God, I heard a voice that said, Hey, everything's going to be okay. But you didn't even have a relationship with God at that time. And right. that, that was, in, that was incredible to me. Um, because it was kind of like, it was kind of like God setting, setting up your life um, in that mm-hmm. moment. Like, hey, I'm going to take you through this, and perhaps this situation, this this really, um, it's almost going to kill you, but it's going to make you stronger mm-hmm. because it's going to lead Absolutely. you to me. And uh, it, it led, of course, it led your 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 mom, um, and then you. And I mean, I, I don't I don't know. I, I guess your your entire family. I, I don't know uh, the situation there, but um, yeah. It, it it led such a such a traumatic event, you know, something that man I, I don't wish on anyone. Uh, it, it, it's it's hurtful to see people going through it, but it uh, it was God, you know, it was God and it was absolutely it was God in disguise, and that's that's crazy. That's a uh, that's crazy. And no, uh, I, I absolutely I, man. go ahead. Yeah, I hear the passion no, no, in your no, voice <laughs> when you no, talk man, about. I was just gonna. Yeah, I was just going to say, man, that, you know, God is not a respective person, you know, and whoever he calls, he calls, man. And sometimes, you know, I, was do- I wasn't doing anything looking for God. You know, that's why the scripture says, like, we didn't choose God. God chose us, Yeah. you know, and he loved us first. And for me, bro, it's kind of like I always associate myself to the story of the woman with the issue of blood. Now, I know this is kind of out there for some people, but... Um, the reason I associate myself with, with this woman was because the way that Jesus healed her, you know, when she touched the hem of his garment, the Bible says that immediately she was healed. And when I studied that passage of scripture, I believe it's in Mark chapter five, if I'm not mistaken, man. But it said that that word healed in the original language actually is translated to saved. So when Jesus healed this woman, he not only healed her physically, but he saved her spiritually, Hmm. you know, and for me, man, I feel like God allowed this sickness to, to come into my life. Not that because he's an evil heavenly father and he was punishing me, but because he knew I was stubborn and he needed to get my attention, but God used this sickness and not only did he heal me, physically but he saved me spiritually man so i always tell people the greatest miracle was not the healing of my cancer the greatest miracle was the salvation of my soul bro yeah yeah. you know and that's the greatest miracle man you know but you you're right god set me up man and you know by his grace and mercy he warned me that i was gonna be okay and now i know looking back you know i'm like man that was the spirit of god you know, I don't know if that was an angel. I don't know if that was Jesus. I don't know. All I know is that I heard a voice that tell that told me everything's going to be okay, Jay. You yeah. know, and whatever you're about to go through, I'm going to be right there with you. I didn't know it at the time, yeah. but God was there, you know, and it's yeah. because of him that I'm here today, man. So that's absolutely. Awesome. That's awesome. And there's, there's power in that. There's power in that testimony. I'm reminded of, I think it's also in Mark 5, uh, the man who had... Uh, he had a legion of demons, and um, you know the, the Bible says that he he couldn't be tamed by any man. He was like bound in chains, and and he would keep he mm. he would continue to break them. He lived in a cave. He was a very he was an outcast, and 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 uh, Jesus heals him, and the man wants to go with him. He, the man wants to get into the boat, follow Jesus, and 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 Jesus tells the man, "No, I, I want you to go back to your hometown, and I want you to tell everyone what you did, what what I did in your mm. life." Um, because there's, there's, there's power in that. And, and so uh, do you use this? Um, well, I I won't even ask that. I'll I'll ask how, how often do you tell this story? Because I mean, 
you know it very well. Obviously, you lived it. Um, but I mean, even even the details. It when I'm when I'm listening when I was listening to you tell it, it uh, it sounds like you've told it a lot of times before to people who maybe they they, they went through similar similar events or you just I don't know you're just yeah. testifying about what God did. Um, is this a part of your ministry today? Absolutely, man. I think uh, you know the scripture teaches us that we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. And for me, man, you know, this is, this is my testimony, you know, and it's part of it. There's a lot more to it. Um, but whatever opportunity that I get to, to share it with somebody, to inject faith into a believer or, you know, to spark curiosity in a non-believer, you know, I will use it, man. And, you know, there's so many different points that I'll, I I like to lean on depending on the situation or the person or the conversation. But absolutely, yeah. man, this is part of my life and it's part of what the Lord brought me to. And, and one of the things I've learned online is that, you know, what God allowed to happen to you, he'll eventually work it through you. Yeah. You know, and I'm always reminded of the story where Peter is with Jesus and Jesus tells him, Hey, Peter, the devil has asked to sift you like wheat, but I pray for you so that your faith mm-hmm. would remain. And he says, yeah. but you're going to fall away. But when you get up, I want you to strengthen your brothers. Yeah. When I first yeah. read that, it was kind of like, wait, what? Like Jesus knew that Peter was going to fall away. But yeah. he said, but when you get up again, he's like, in other words, you're going to go through some things. But once you go through those things, he said, I'm going to use those things so that you can strengthen your brothers. Yeah. And I feel like God will often allow us to go through situations in life, man, not for our sake, but for the sake of others. So yeah. for me, it's like, I know that I went through nine months, man. It was nine months of chemotherapy, even though the Lord healed me in four months. The doctors were so skeptical, man. They were so like in disbelief that they kept pumping chemotherapy. Uh, into my body and it really started to mess me up in a lot of ways um, because we were under contract and whatnot but but I I, I just learned man that uh, God will use the things that happen in our life and I know a lot of people know that but it's real man and sometimes you got to ask the question not why am I going through this but who am I going through this for yeah, you know, and and that's just that's the truth man that I kind of abide by and, and I live by so but to answer your question, man, absolutely, I, I share this as much as I can with people. Yeah, awesome, man. That's awesome. It's an incredible testimony. And so I know today you're a youth pastor. Um, how did how did all that come to be? And I'm sure you have. I'm sure there's a there's a journey. There's a faith journey. There was some development. Um, but but I guess what what kind of happened next? I guess to to lead you into that uh, pastoral calling that that you're currently in. Yeah. Um, so for me, man, once I had that experience with Jesus, man, uh, I just, it kind of set me off in this path of discovering myself and discovering God. And I started going to, to a, a, that small church and, you know, I started getting discipled and, and, uh, I was so impacted by, you know, my youth pastor at the time, his name is Robin Vega. He's actually the DYD for the Central District out there in Colorado and uh, under the Assemblies of God, for those that don't know. But um, he has such a great impact on my life, man, that I was just like, wow, I want to know God like this guy knows God. I want to know the Bible like he knows the Bible. And for me, uh, I asked him, hey, what school did you go to? And he went to a small uh, Bible school in San Antonio called LABI, which is now known as CMC, Christ Missions College. And um, when I went there, I just I just knew God had called me. I didn't know for what. I just knew God had called me to to live for Him, to serve Him. So I remember even the first day of Bible school in one of our classes, uh, the the teacher, the professor, had to stand up and and answer the question why we believe we were there. Everybody stood hmm. up and. Some people were saying, well, the Lord has called me to be a youth pastor or a worship pastor. Like everybody was youth pastors or worship pastors. I got up and I was like, I don't even know why I'm here. Honestly, I just, I just, I know I'm supposed to be here. I just want to serve God, you know? And for me, man, it was just, I was available. So it's not like I had this, uh, Hmm. this voice from heaven tell me, Jay Allen, you're going to be a youth pastor. No, I just, I wanted to serve people, man. I wanted to 
you know, let people know about Jesus. And I just knew the impact that my youth pastor had on me as a teenager. And I said, man, you know what? This is, this is what I want to do. I want to, I want to help young people. You know, I've heard that uh, if you reach a young person by the age of 17, they're 85% more likely to follow Jesus for the rest of their life. Mm. You know, and if we wait by the time they're 18 to 25, like the chances go really low, man, because they go to universities where they're right. very anti-God, you know, and they, they, their faith gets rocked, especially if there's no foundation. So for me, I see, I see my role as a youth pastor as very important, man. It's, it's vital, you know, that, that we reach these young people, that we introduce them to Jesus, that we disciple them as best as we can. And that way that when they go into that university or they, they grow up, man, that, you know, those core values become anchors in their life and they're not, they're not swayed left and right you know, yeah. in their faith. So, but for me, it was just a love for, for, for people, man. And then God just put in my heart to have a love for young people. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, it, it sounds like, you know, God, he didn't necessarily call you to something in particular, but he, he kind of drew you into himself and he called you yep. into a life of, of dedication unto him. And you were just going to kind of figure it out as, as, as you went. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and, and, you know, a lot of times, you know, God, when you're, when you're following him and, and you don't exactly know where you're going, um, God is going to just, he's, he's going to lay it out perfectly, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, even, even though sometimes we, we might be like, man, wh- what am I doing? Where am I going? Um, is this the <laughs> right thing? You know, God mm-hmm. just kind of, he has a way of working everything out. And so, so, so you're, you're youth pastoring now. And, yeah. you know, I think I, I was a youth pastor for, for a couple of years and, um, Man, the 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 youth ministry, youth ministry in general, I feel like is constantly like evolving. You know, just just like anything else, just like you know uh, the internet, just like social media, just like yeah. I don't I don't know whatever. Um, and so there's a lot of things that perhaps like my youth pastors, um, w- it would kind of be foreign to them doing youth ministry today. Right. If there were youth pastors to me, you know, 10, 15 years ago, um, a lot of the same methods might not work. And so I, I guess right. my question to you is, is um, because you're dealing with a lot of, you know, Gen Zers, um, people like that, kid, kids like that. Do you have you found that there's a, a big difference between this generation of young people and say, uh our our generation when we were young, uh, younger not not that we're not yeah. young, but you know what I mean. <laughs> when we were when we were in youth ministry, is there is there like a big difference there? Yeah, man. I, I think uh, you said it, man. You know, we live in a time where it's just different nowadays. You know, youth ministry, just ministry in general, is not what it used to be. Um, back in the day, you know, there wasn't so many distractions. I mean, there was, but I feel like today there's so much more, man, you know, with technology, with social media, with so many things calling for young people's attention. You know, it's hard as a youth pastor and really as a ministry or church to engage young people. You know, Mm -hmm. you really have to be creative. Uh, You really have to think outside of the box um, on how you're going to you're going to reach young people because not to say that, you know, what youth pastors used to do back in the day, you know, this whole just, hey, let's just gather a couple of young people. Let's have a cute little Bible study and give away some pizza and, yeah. you know, uh, that they'll keep coming back. And maybe that worked back in the day. But I think if you want to have an effective youth ministry, like it's going to take more than that. You know, it, it it's going to take more than pizza. It's going to take more than just. <laughs> a Bible study, you know, it's going to take a lot of intentionality. It's going to take, um, you engaging, you know, I I think there's a level that you have to submerge yourself in the culture. And I'm not saying you got to be worldly and you got to try to be cool when you're not. And I don't think that's what, that's not what I'm saying, but I think you have to be relevant in the sense that you got to know the world that young people live in. You got to know, you know, what are the questions and what are the struggles that they're actually going through? And you got to speak to that. 
you know, you can't take them through revelations and the seven horses and all this stuff. Like they don't care about that stuff. You know, like they want to know, like, what do I do at home? Because my dad abuses my mom. You know, how do I overcome my pornography issue? How do I deal with my lust? How do I like, these are the type of questions that I believe if as youth pastors, if we can address and engage in and not be scared to go there, these are the, the conversations and, and the messages that are going to keep bringing students back. Because ultimately, it's the Word of God that changes young people. And so, will methods that, you know, work back in the day work today? Maybe some, but, I'm, you know, culture's constantly evolving and changing. And as the church and as a youth ministry, you have to learn how to evolve with the trends and the culture. I mean, the message is the same, but the method is constantly yeah. changing. For sure. And like I said, sure. you just got to get creative, man. You got to get creative and you got to listen, listen to the young people, listen to, you know, what's out there in culture and, and pray to the Holy Spirit to give you the wisdom and the creativity to be able to build bridges between the gospel and today's world, you know? Yeah. And I think the more we do that, the more effective we're going to be as youth pastors and youth leaders. Um, so a, a couple questions that, that I want to ask you uh, that are, are, I think, are very practical. Um, and if there's any youth leaders listening, youth pastors listening, I'm, I'm sure they'll, they'll uh, get a lot of value from, from this. Um, and, maybe, and not even just youth leaders, but maybe parents as well. What do, what do kids today respond to? Because sometimes it's like, it's like, you know, you're up there and you're talking, um, and they're, they're like totally not even listening. Like you can, you can just see it in their eyes. Like they're just not there. What do they, what gets their attention? What makes them want to, to engage? Um, do you have any, any uh, examples of, of what might work? Yeah, man. Um, man, I think that's, that's the issue. I, or I guess that's the challenge I would say of every communicator of every preacher is, you know, preaching the gospel in a way that's uh, alive. You know, when, when I first started going to church, I would always think to myself like, man, why does God keep bringing all these boring preachers to, to share the word, man? Like mm. what is up with this? Cause I'd be falling asleep, you know? And I just feel like the word says that the Bible, the word God is alive and active. So I feel like we need to communicate it with passion, with, with creativity, man, and um, just in a way that's going to engage the young people um, and they won't be falling asleep. Uh, but I think just planning ahead, thinking it through, thinking what you're going to say, um, you know, all of these things are going to help with engaging these students because the truth is this, John Ryan, that the attention span of young people today is like, two seconds. You know, if you don't capture them quickly, you're going to lose them. You know, so you want to come in with a crazy story. You, it's like movies. Like, like I think about Hollywood, for example, back in the day, they used to start with, uh, with the credits. I don't know if you remember the old movies, it would start with like all the credits and the producers and the writers and the directors. And then it would slowly go into the film Nowadays, the movie, it starts with action, bro. Like you see like somebody getting shot, a car race, something crazy just happening. And I think it's because they understand that if they don't capture your attention quick, you're, you're going to be checked out for the rest yeah. of the movie. Right. And I think as, as youth pastors and youth leaders, we just have to think of ways, how can I capture their attention? Whether it's through the preaching, whether it's through a song, whether it's through a creative element, like a spoken word or a video, or a game, something that's going to capture their attention. And for me, man, like personally, my messages are anywhere from 20 to 30 minutes max. I don't go past 30 um, because I know that if I go too long, as good as I may think that I am at preaching, I'm going to lose some people. So I would rather have students sitting there saying, man, like he's finished already, instead of saying like, man, hurry up and finish, you know, like... Um, so I just think just being intentional with 
keeping your talk short, um, considering how you're going to, what you're going to do for the introduction, for the planning, the games, the videos, the creative elements, like all of that is important, man, especially if you're trying to reach young people. Uh, This might not apply to everybody, but if you're trying to reach the next generation, then you got to come at it with full force, with more creativity and just a little bit more energy than you would even on a Sunday. Yeah. Yeah, uh, de- definitely, definitely. Um, what about, and this is this is kind of a, a similar question, but uh, what what would you say reaches young people? Like, in the sense of, okay, I, I want, I want, I want young people to, you know, I want them to come to our youth service. I want them to come to our event mm-hmm. because, you know, our generation, you know, we're, we're we're very social media heavy and we're we're on Facebook yeah. and we're all into Facebook events and all these kinds of crazy stuff. Uh, Gen Zers, they're they're not, um, they're not getting Facebooks, mm-hmm. and I don't. I mean, I haven't really looked at the the data on this, but we don't really know if they're going to get Facebook. Um, so how do we how do we reach them? Like, how do we inform them of the things that we're that we're doing in our church and our ministries to get them to to come in and be a part of that? Yeah, man, that's a great question. Um, man, if I can say one thing, it would probably be um, relationships, man. Uh, Maybe back in the day, I don't know if you've ever heard of that that saying, if you build it, they'll come, <laughs> you know, yeah, from a famous yeah. movie. Right, um, right. I don't think that works anymore, man, you know, because you can have a, an awesome facility. You can have all the cool lights and all this stuff. And yet young people will not show up, mm-hmm. you know, because at the end of the day, I feel like even the millennials and Generation Z, you know, they're not looking so much for entertainment. They're looking to belong, man. They're looking mm-hmm. for a tribe to be a part of. They're looking for friends at church. And, you know, one of the things I always tell my leaders is people will go to a church because it's friendly, but they'll stay because they made friends. Mm. You know, they'll come back because they made friends. And for me, I think the best way that we're going to reach this generation is through intentional relationships, caring for them, you know, uh, I think that's why social media is such a big deal today, whether it's Facebook or Snapchat or Instagram or Twitter, people just want to feel connected, you know, and in our attempt to feel connected, we use all these different platforms. And at the end, we feel more disconnected than ever before, you know, and I think that the church man needs to be different. I think the church needs to be a place where you come and you really do feel like you're part of something. And you feel connected with people and you, you feel like you're not just welcome, but you're wanted there. And I think that there's a difference, but I think if we're going to really reach these young people, it's going to happen through relationship. It's going to be a lot of one-on-ones. It's going to be, Hey, can you take that student out for some coffee? You know, can you pick up that student up from school? It might be an inconvenience, but that's the way we're going to reach young people is through intentional connecting yep. or connection right. with them, not through yep. fancy programs or anything else, man. So, yeah. 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 You know, I, I, as a pastor, I can testify to that. Like anytime we, we get someone, uh, like a, a new member, someone to, someone to connect with our church family, it's be, it's because of that, that very reason. Sometimes we'll have people come in, you know, two Sundays, three Sundays, four Sundays. And, and yeah, we say hi to them and, and you know, we, we smile at them. We do the little small, you know, small talk, stuff like that. Right. But, but then sometimes that's it. We won't see them again. And I think it's because we failed to really make a good connection with them because mm-hmm. on the other end there, I, I have, I, I have stories of, of people who would come in and, you know, we would just hit it off. Like we would, we would talk about all these different things and then that would lead to, Hey, do you want to get, do you want to get lunch? You know? And, and that made a real connection that kept them engaged in, in our church and kept them connected because now, 
now they they have a friend, right? Now they have a friend, and, and we like going places where our friends are there. Um, That's it, it. It, it, it's different than yeah, I, yeah. That guy, he, he's really nice, and you know, he goes he goes to that church, and he'll probably be there. But like, I don't know him. Like, I don't consider him uh, a friend. So I think we we mm-hmm. just need to get better at making friendships and that's hard to do sometimes Absolutely. honestly because we have we have our friends there already and and, and I think that's yeah. where we fail after service we go to our our friends and we you know we talk to them uh meanwhile the the, the new ones are there and they're kind of like okay well this is kind of awkward I don't know who to talk to so they kind of just they they, they make their way to the exit and we never see them again and I think that's that's somewhere yeah. that's something that we fail at inside the church mm-hmm. walls you know what I'm saying well, absolutely, man. You know, a quick story. Um, I remember a few years ago, and this is kind of throwing myself under the bus, and maybe some people listening can relate to this, but uh, it was right before our youth service uh, was going to start. And, you know, I kind of made it my mission before every service to walk around and touch every student, whether it was a side hug or a high five and just, just kind of say hi. But, you know, when you're in service mode, your, your mind is on the service. Your mind is on the worship set or, or the message. And, you're, yeah, you're talking to people, but, you know, you're, you're going around asking, hey, how are you? And you're just hoping that they say good so you, you can move on, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and I remember asking this girl, and I never, I'm never, never going to forget this man. I said, hey, how are you? And she looked at me and she says, you don't really care. Wow. And I was, I was not expecting that, man. You know, they, wait, what? Like she said, you don't really care. You're just asking me cause you have to. Dang. And bro, that rocked me to my core, man. And I remember at that moment, it was like, I felt like God like slapped me across the face. And, and I just, I sat next to her and I said, no, you know what? I, I do care. Like, how's your day? You know, and I'm trying to connect with this girl but I remember walking away feeling like, man, like, have I missed it? You know, have I been so preoccupied with the program that I missed really engaging and connecting with the people? Yeah. And it really, it really challenged me, man, to, to be more intentional with the people, you know, and at the end of the day, that's what ministry is about, whether you lead adults or whether you lead youth. You know, and and the thing about young people is they can smell a phony from a mile away, bro. You know, you can say that you care about them, but they they know, okay? Like they know if you really do or you're just, or you're just playing the part, right? Like you're just acting like you do. They know. And, but here's the other side. When they really know that you care, they're going to listen to you. They're going to, they're going to give you attention, you know, because they know that you're bought into them. So they're going to buy into you as a leader. Mm-hmm. So I think we, like you said, man, we just have to do a better job of really connecting with the people and, and being genuine and, and uh, you know, putting the program to the side sometimes and yeah. saying, Hey, what's going on? You know, I, I noticed that you're sad. What's up? Uh, I'm yeah. here. I'm here for you. This is why I do what I do. I'm not here just to entertain you. I'm here to minister to you and shepherd right. you. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, that's, man, that's, that's, Great insight, and uh, I think a lot of times we we expect the connect cards to do the job <laughs> that we're actually supposed to do. Come on, uh, uh, you know the connect cards are there just really to get information, but but they're they don't really connect you with people. They, you know, it's just you're just getting their information, and from there, if you didn't already connect with them, they're probably not going to answer the phone anyways, right? Mm, uh, that's so, right. And, and I think this is I think this is true all across the board, you know, with with adults and young yeah. people, but especially with young people, because you mentioned earlier that that if we don't reach young people by the age of 17, that that's kind of that's kind of it. I mean, their yeah. their their chances of coming back into the church are going to be low. So if 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 we don't connect with them before they get to that age, man, it it's they're, they're going to need a lot of prayer. You know what I'm saying? When, when they yeah, go off and to let, college. Let me, and, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. And let me just say this, man. Uh, sorry to cut you off, man. It just no, sparked no, a ahead. thought in my mind. You know, I feel like there's a lot of uh, pastors and churches out there that really, that say that they believe in the next generation, hmm. you know, but when it comes down to it, like they all, they really don't, 
you know, and I'm just going to say they really don't because they, they don't, they don't view the youth of the church as a priority. Yeah. And, and, and the truth is that, that the youth are the church of the future, man. They're the church of tomorrow, even though they're the leaders of today. But I mean, if we don't reach them, you're going to end up with a church of a bunch of 50 to 60, 70 year olds. And there's going to be, it. and that's going to be the end of your church. You know, and I think some of the most successful churches out there, you know, have done a very excellent job of reaching, you know, Generation Z and and the millennial generation. They've thrown a lot of their resources and their weight behind it. And, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm thankful that I'm part of a church right now at Cross Church under my senior pastors, Pastor Jaime and Rosemary Loya, who really do believe in the next generation. And they don't just show it by, you know, giving us a budget. but they really do believe men, you know, and I think part of it is because they have teenagers, you know, themselves, um, you know, but just through the conferences that we put, the fact that they let us do outpour every year, you know, they're constantly pushing me and challenging me to, to, to do more for the young people, to engage more. And, and that just shows me that they have a heart, you know, and I think as, as pastors, man, if, if we really want our churches to thrive and to grow and to last, we need to, we need to really go after the youth man, and, and we need to go after them with all of our hearts. I agree. I agree. hundred percent, hundred percent. You know, my, my heart has always been for that, for that next generation, because like you said, they, they are, they're, they're the next generation of leaders. And if we don't, if we don't sure. raise them correctly, I mean, it's going to be a pretty ugly world, you know, and, and they're, they're <laughs> yeah. going to be ruling over us when we're older and we, we kind of don't have as much, you know, say we're kind of, we're kind of done, you know? Um, and so I, I think every, yeah, every leader, every pastor needs to be thinking about, I mean, putting the priority on the next generation rather than, rather than our own. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I hope, I hope that I can have this same mentality when I'm, you know, decades older than I am because I don't know, maybe a lot of, maybe a lot of, I, I see that. I I see myself often thinking, uh, man, these pastors, they don't, they don't, they don't think about the next generation. They're, you know, uh, pretty much everything you said, you know, there's, there's churches, uh, that really don't even have much of a youth group. And, and I think to myself, man, why not? It, It must be because, you know, they're not, they're not concerned about the next generation. Um, but then I, 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 you know, I try to give them the benefit of the doubt, and I think, well, maybe at one point when they were younger, they did care about the next generation, but then they kind of right. got caught up in their own generation, and then kind of, mm-hmm. you know, they were so far removed um, that they kind of stopped, you, you know, caring as much or or maybe knowing how to relate. So I, I hope that I hope that that doesn't happen to to me and to a lot of young, young pastors that I see, you know, that, that do prioritize the next generation. Um, because the next generation right now is really just one generation removed, right? I mean, we're not that much older than, than Gen Zers, but when we get up there and when we're, you know, removed two, three generations, yeah, it's going to be a lot harder to, to relate. So we always have to be preparing the next generation to prepare the next generation under them. And, you know, so, so that we're always, we're always, you know, there's always a step there. Even when we're so far removed, we might not know how to relate to, you know, kids that are 30 years old, uh, younger than we are. There's someone else there who, who does. So, Mm -hmm. um, I think that's one aspect of leadership that, yeah, that, that really needs to be. Yeah. And I always, I always tell people, man, you know, God is the God of generations. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, sure. and Jacob, you know, yeah. and it's not just one generation that God is concerned about. He's concerned about all generations, kids, yeah. youth, adults, you know, the elderly. And like you said, man, sometimes we can get so far removed that we neglect, you know, reaching a certain age group. Yeah. And maybe if maybe you're a pastor and you're, you're listening to this, maybe it's not a big burden on your heart to reach young people. Well, then bring somebody next to you that does have a burden for young people. You know, um, put someone in place that that could be their focus, whether that's a youth pastor or a youth leader. But I think if it burns in the heart of the senior pastor, it's going to burn in the heart of the church. 
Definitely. You yeah. know, and, and it's going to show. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, you, you can see it in churches that look young and they're vibrant. Like you, you see like Root Church and you see these Hope City in, in Houston. You see mm-hmm. these, these churches that are reaching millennials, you know, whether you agree with their methods and their theology or not. The fact is that they're reaching these these age groups, but it's because it's a, it's in the heart of the senior pastor, yeah. you know. And I think that's where it begins. Everything starts from the top and it flows down to the bottom. Yeah. So I would just really encourage man the senior pastors out there, you know, to to really pray to God for for a burden for young people and for the right person to come in and help you reach that generation, reach yeah. that age group. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Man, uh, I know we're kind of getting towards the end of our conversation here. There was a lot of, there was a few things here that we didn't really get to, man. I mean, we've, we've had a, we've had a really great conversation. <laughs> it's kind of just carrying itself. Um, there, there, there's a couple of things that I, I, I do want to ask you, you know, we're, we're getting, uh, towards the end of the, of this year. And so I'm just curious how you're planning for, for 2020, uh, whether, you know, for, for your personal life, your personal goals or your ministry, what, what do you, what do you guys, uh, doing to prepare for 2020? Man, I, I guess, uh, I guess I'll talk, um, ministerially. Um, I think for me, man, it's, you know, I've, I've decided that there's seven areas that we're going to plan for as a youth ministry. And I believe the, I call this the big seven. Okay. And these are the seven areas that I try to have a yearly strategy for. Um, now, when you're planning this, you're going to leave out some detail. You might miss some things, but, but for me, bro, uh, number one is you have to have a strategy for discipleship for your students. How are you going to disciple them? What are you going to, what, what resources and tools or programs are you going to use to disciple students, whether that's fine arts, um, whether that's a, you know, an internship program, whatever that looks like. And then I also want to have, a a strategy, a yearly strategy for my preaching and teaching. So what type of sermon series we're going to do, you know, and we try to be intentional with that depending on the season. So like February, we'll talk about love, sex, and dating, you know, January, we'll talk about new beginnings and uh, August, we'll probably talk about friendships and things like that. Uh, Another area that we try to plan for uh, is weekly programs. So what do our services look like? And that includes things like who's going to pick up the offering, you know, um, what games are you going to play? So I try as my best, and, you know, to to plan ahead. Now, this is where my team really comes in because God knows I'm not the strongest ad- in administration, but I do have some people around me that are that mm-hmm. really help me with this, including my wife. Um, okay. So we try to plan our weekly programs as far as who's doing what and what we're going to do, uh, what songs we're going to do, what sermon series, things like that. And then we also try to plan for events throughout the years. So that's our fourth one, events. So whether that's a summer camp, whether that's a conference um, or a retreat or an outreach. Um, and for us, we try to do an outreach every other month. Mm-hmm. So okay. we try to schedule one big outreach every quarter. Uh where we kind of promote it more. We, we go out there and we do something big. Maybe we bring in a guest speaker, stuff like that. And here's one that's not very popular and sometimes we overlook, but I try to have an annual strategy for parents. Parent engagement, bro, is so important in youth ministry. And sometimes this is the area where as youth pastors, we kind of put in the back burner, we tend to forget uh, but one of the things I've learned, man, just reading and studying and talking with other youth pastors is if you can partner with parents, you're going to you're going to win as a youth pastor, man, because at the end of the day, they're the ones that take their kids to the youth ministry. They're the ones that drop them off, you know, and having a strategy of how you're going to engage parents, whether that's through a monthly email whether that's through quarterly parent trainings where you bring in a professional counselor, uh, where you give some table talks, I don't know, like something that you can do for parents. And then uh, the sixth one is having something uh, in plan for your volunteers. So how often are you going to meet with your team? Are you going to have some type of team night every month or is it going to be bi-monthly? 
um, are you going to do like a conference call every week to go over the the service flow of the your service? I don't know what mm-hmm. what is what is your strategy look like for the for the volunteers? And then lastly, is having a strategy for schools. How are you going to reach your local schools? Um, and for me, man, this is this one's probably one of the most important ones because if we're going to reach young people, we got to go to where they're at, man. And this this right. is something that God has been recently really pushing me to get yeah. into our local high school and and show up and be present and figure out ways how we can go and serve the school so that we can reach the school. So I think for me, it's these seven areas, discipleship, preaching and teaching, weekly programs, events, uh, parents, volunteers, and then schools. So I try to plan for those and we, we, we do it quarterly. That way we yeah. don't overwhelm ourselves. So we try to be at least a quarter uh, ahead. Uh, that way we can get creative because, you know, you can't be creative if you're doing things last minute. You yeah. know, you can't. Yeah, you can't. True. And I don't care how good you are. Yeah. You know, but when you know that, hey, in a month down the road, like we have this sermon series coming up. So now the worship team can start looking for songs. The production team can start making a cool video that we can show to to promote the, the series or whatever. So that's something yeah. that we're still growing in as a ministry. But I think it's it's really has helped us to keep the big seven in front of us and and try to aim for these seven areas. That's good. That's really good. Yeah, having having a plan, having having targets, and um, you absolutely. Know, yeah, having targets is very very essential because a lot of times we'll, we'll go into plan you know planning meetings and and it's like okay what are we what are we doing what what are we planning for or you know what are we what are we what are we aiming at what's our what's our goal what's our mission mm-hmm. so you have mm-hmm. you have strategies for seven different areas and and you can you can kind of make make certain goals for each one. That's that's really good. That's really good. Yeah, uh, yeah, man. Thanks, thank you, thank you for for sharing that. I wish you guys a a, a really you know successful, prosperous uh, twenty twenty for you for for your family and your ministry. Um, now I'm, I'll ask you two more questions and and we'll wrap up. Um, yeah. The, the first one is uh, as a leader, what what has been one of your biggest influences to sh- shape your your leadership. Man, well, I think for sure right off the bat was probably, like I mentioned earlier, my youth pastor, uh, Robin Vega. He had such a great impact on my life. Uh, Honestly, I think it's just been relationships, man. Pastor Robert Mm -hmm. Flores from Bethesda there in San Antonio uh, has had a a great impact on my life as well. And of course, uh, one of my pastors now and mentors, which is Pastor Abram Gomez, and uh, these, I think these three individuals have really, uh, God has used them to, to shape my, my theology, my leadership, uh, my ministry philosophy, and of course, you know, reading different books, um, tapping into different podcasts like this one, man, you know, uh, whether you realize it or not, you know, people, God uses people to shape, you know, your worldview. And, you know, I just... For me, this these individuals have really influenced me and shaped my my leadership. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, we can always learn from from other people. We always should be learning from other people. Absolutely. Uh, so yeah, yeah. That's, that that's why I asked the question. Uh, so last one, uh, if you could sum up leadership in one sentence, how would you define it? Ooh man, <laughs> <laughs> that is a good question. Um, I mean, I think right off the bat, uh, this is one we all know, which is leadership is influence. Uh, absolutely. But I think uh, a quote that comes to my mind is one that uh, I got tattooed on my back. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I don't have it tattooed <laughs> on my back. Uh, but it's from John Quincy Adams. Uh, and it says this, it says, if your actions inspire others to dream more, to do more, and to become more, you are a leader. Again, let me say that again. If your actions yeah. inspire others to dream more, to do more, to become more, you're mm. a leader, man. That's great. And for me, that's kind of what I want to do. I want to inspire others to dream bigger, to think bigger, not only about me, bro, but about themselves. You yeah. know, and I think oh, that's, 
that's a that's a good gauge uh, if yeah. you're a good leader or not. That when people come around you, do they think that you're great and you're awesome, or do they think that they're awesome and they're great? You know, so yeah. I want to be the type of person that when you get around me, that you're gonna believe that you can do more, yeah. uh, that you're gonna believe in yourself a little bit more, and you're gonna dream bigger. And you know, and that's so good. for me, that that's probably my my quote, man. That's great. That's great. Thank you, man. That that was that was very very insightful. Um, man, we're, we're gonna go ahead and, and wrap up here. Uh, I want to give props to my my four year old daughter, Layla, <laughs> who's actually sitting <laughs> sitting on my lap right now. She came in Come like <laughs> two two minutes ago. She she whispered to me, "Daddy, are you almost done?" Layla, you want to say anything on the microphone? <laughs> No. Okay. <laughs> um, well, I, yeah, I, I appreciate you, man, having the conversation with me. It was it was great, and and sharing your your testimony, man. Um, very very inspiring and uh, powerful. And you know, I just um, I know that it's going to continue, you know, reaching people and, and inspiring people, and and uh, man, change, changing lives, man. That's that's a, that's a life changing story. Uh, not not just for you, but for people who hear it. Uh, so. Man, thank you, and and God bless you. I don't know if you have any final thoughts that you'd like to to leave with us. Man, well, first of all, uh, John Ryan, thank you so much, man, for having me on your podcast. It's it was an honor, man. Uh, it was fun, and uh, I guess just my final thoughts is, you know, to any youth pastor, youth leader, or any leader out there, you know, keep keep doing what you're doing. You know, I know the thank yous don't come often. Yeah. But um, just know that your reward is in heaven, you know, and, uh, you know, you're making a difference. So don't give up. Don't give up on this generation. Don't give up on young people. They need yeah. you. Yes. So we yes. need you. And what you're doing is is making an impact, whether we see it or not. Yeah. And, uh, man, love you guys. I'm, I'm available to anybody that, you know, if you guys want to talk, if you want to connect. Um you know, you guys can find me on social media. I don't know if it's okay. John, yeah, go ahead, that man. Go there. ahead. Yeah, that was my final question. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> okay, awesome. So you guys can connect with me, whether on Facebook or Instagram, at, uh, at jallen412. So that's just the letter J, A-L-A-N, 412. Um, and I'd love to connect and yeah. serve you in any way that I can. So. Awesome. Yeah, and we'll link all that in the in the show notes. Well, Jay Allen, man, thank you so much for uh, for coming on once again. Um, and we'll probably have to do it again next time, man, because it sounds like you have a lot more to say. And um, I think there's a lot of people who would really be interested no, in, in, in listening you. some more. Yeah, man. Uh, well, thank you, bro. And uh, you have a have a great Christmas and a, and a happy New Year. And um, you know, to you and, and your your wife and, and your ministry, bro. God bless you. Likewise, All right, guys, thank you once again for joining us today on this conversation of leading the Christian Leadership Podcast. Uh, once again, feel free to subscribe, leave a rating, a review if you like the content. Guys, we will talk to you next time. Merry Christmas.